We always said that church wasn't a building. Church was always a people, a movement, a kinetic force mobilized to change the world. I know we can't meet physically right now, but that doesn't mean we can't be the church. It doesn't mean we can't pray. It doesn't mean we can't sing. It doesn't mean we can't connect with God and connect with each other and reach people around us. When Jesus told Peter that the gates of hell itself would not prevail against his church, he meant it. We're still here. Church is happening to push back our fear. Church is happening so that we can get a divine perspective to a world gone wild. The church didn't stop with coronavirus. It just got stronger. It wasn't held back. It reached farther. We weren't suppressed. We were unleashed. We don't have to be alone. We're still on mission in your kitchen, in your living room, and on your phone, and on your big screen, in your hospital room, and in the nursing home, and in the prison. Your church is still here. Yes, we are still here. Welcome to church. Whether this is your first time or your 50th time, your church is here today with the hope and the promise that we find in Jesus. And we are here together right now all around the world from a prison in Nottoway, Virginia to a tiny building in Wisconsin, from a village in Ecuador to Afghanistan, Canada, Portugal, Zimbabwe, Ireland, and France. So wherever you are, it's time. If you feel like you want to give up, if it's been a hard week, it's time. If you're searching for answers, if you're searching for peace, it's time. So stand up. Time to pay attention. Time to clap your hands. Time to celebrate because we have hope, we have freedom, and we have Jesus. Let's sing. Just one name over all 
turn our eyes to a God who we can always count on no matter what and we get to sing that to him now I count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out working all things out oh yes i will lift you high in the lowest valley yes i will bless your name and yes i will sing for joy when my heart is heavy cause all my days Oh yes, I will I'm gonna sing, I count on one thing I count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now Will not fail me now In the way same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. And I 
Philippians describes Jesus like this, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
God, we lift and praise you today because we're so thankful that you are worthy. God, we're thankful that we can count on you, thankful that you chose to be our king. And God, that we even have the opportunity to give everything back to you that we have. So I pray as we continue with this service that our hearts can be open to what you have to offer to us so we can grow even just a little bit closer to you, God. We thank you and we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You think you own me, but you don't. You think you can control me, but you can't. I will not let my life be defined by a pandemic. Anxiety will not be my defining characteristic. I will not give in to the hopelessness of loss. I will not allow my family to fall victim to the aftermath of a virus. Time and time again, fear has held me back, but not today. Today, I'm fighting back because I am strong, because I am courageous, because I am an overcomer. That's right, we start a new series today, and in just a little bit, you're going to need a pen and paper, so wherever you are right now, you can grab that if that's close to you, but before we get to that, I just want to let you know that uh, a little bit about what's happening here at PCC and how you might be able to stay connected and help here. The first thing is, if, if today is your first day or if you've never filled out a welcome card, we want you to know that you're an honored guest here at PCC, wherever you're joining us from. And we encourage and invite you to fill out the welcome card. There's a couple ways to do that. There's a banner there right on your screen or there in the PCC app, you can fill out the welcome card. And uh, you can tell us where you're joining us from. We just want to reach out once and say thank you for joining us and let you know that we're here for you and we can help you in any way you would like. And last week, we encouraged some folks to come and partner with us uh, to fill out welcome cards. And for every welcome card, we made a donation to Feed More, a, an organization that supplies under-resourced communities here in Central Virginia. And I'm excited to announce that this week, we were able to donate $1,500 to Feed More to support our local communities, and that's just really amazing. That's super amazing. We also know that in our local communities, there's a lot of need due to folks uh, being out of work right now. And so right now, we're opening a temporary pantry, food pantry, right here at our Powhatan campus. And there's more information that you can find out at PCC wired.net there in the events tab about our hours of operation and how you can donate and we invite you to come and be part of that. Well, this first week of the Overcomer series, we are talking about loss of connection, something that you and I are feeling right now. But even though we can't be together in person, we can still connect with other people and there's a couple of ways to do that. We can invite you to join an online small group. We can also ask you to come on and, and host one as well. And there's a way for you to do that. You can go to the webpage right now, pccwire.net, and follow the Stay Connected tab right there all the way to our small group interest form. And there's also a banner there that you can follow that link as well on your screen. And we're really excited about this. In fact, for this series... Starting this Wednesday at 6.30, we're going to have an online small group for, through Zoom that you can come and be part of just to see what it's like. So we encourage you to come and do that. See, everything that we're doing here is pointing us to helping people, helping to meet their needs, helping them to know who God is, and helping them to live the fullest lives possible 
through Jesus Christ. And many of you are supporting that mission through your generosity. And it's because of that generosity that we were able to meet someone this week and meet their needs in their most dire time of need. Two men came into our Powhatan campus this week. One had been driving along the highway and saw another man with a pack on his back walking that same highway and he picked him up. And he realized that he was homeless. He was in need of a shower and some food. And so he brought him to our church. And we were able to give him a place to clean up and some new clothes and a meal and some food, some extra food to take with him and a way for him to get to the destination that he was going. Now later on that evening, the young man who brought him in reached out to us and said, hey, when I showed up, there were only two people in the building and I thought for sure, I just assumed you guys would tell us to leave that you couldn't help us or maybe send us somewhere else or say that you were closed for the day. But instead you said, we're glad you brought him here. We'll help him. He went on to say later that night that he had been to our church one time where he'd seen a message about being the light of the world. And he said, today I got to see that your church doesn't just talk about being the light of the world, that you live it out. So I wanna thank you for your generosity today. Because you give here, we're able to meet people, meet their needs, love them, care for them, and connect with them, and connect them to the God that they need now more than ever. So I wanna thank you again for your generosity because it makes all those things possible. Would you pray with me? Father God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you put us in a position to be in the crossroads with somebody who's having a hard time in life because there's so many people out here right now who are hurting and there are things pressing in on them right now, God. God, they just need relief. They need love and peace. So God, we thank you for calling us to this, for being here with us, for giving us a mission. And we we're committed, not just with our time, not just by showing up here to be part of church, but with our resources. God, we believe. We want to point people towards you, towards your love and for your glory and for your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
had to talk to my guitar, talk to my imagination, confided into alcohol. I tried and tried and tried some more, told secrets till my voice was sore, tired of empty conversation, cause no one hears me anymore. Stories and a hundred million songs. I feel stupid when I sing. Nobody's listening to me. Nobody's listening. I talk to shooting stars, but they always get it wrong. I feel stupid when I pray. Why am I praying anyway? If nobody's listening. I cry too many times I just need some more affection anything to get me by a hundred million stories and a hundred million songs I feel stupid when I sing nobody's listening to me nobody's listening talk to shooting stars but they always get it wrong I feel stupid when I pray
created for isolation. The most extreme introvert on the planet still needs connection. So when Demi Lovato wrote that song and she cried out for anyone, and, and when she wonders, is anyone listening to me? She is no longer expressing a personal, deep, deeply personal moment in her own life. She is also giving voice to the struggle that all of us face right now. A moment when we need to gather around each other, when we need a hug, when we need a touch, when we need people to get close to us, especially people we love. This moment has been a, a season of deep reflection for most of us. Well, deep reflection and maybe not so deep reflection. It reminds me, I don't know why, I keep thinking about this movie, one of my favorite movies, Castaway. Maybe you've seen it. It's now 20 years old this year, but it's still a riveting story. Maybe you know it. The gist of it is that the main character, Chuck Nolan, he goes down in a plane crash in the middle of the ocean, and he washes up on an island and is stranded alone with no communication, no survival skills, no tools, no connection to anybody for four years. His fiance and his friends, after looking for him for a long time, assumed that he died. And while the film isn't based on a true story, there are lots of similar stories of real life people who found themselves against their will, physically isolated from the rest of the, the world, some of them on a deserted island. In fact, the writer of the movie script, like a man named William Boyles Jr., he did his research to write it well by self-isolating on a deserted island. All alone, without prior survival skills, he learned how to open a coconut. He speared and ate stingrays, something he'd never done before. He also tried to make a fire with only the tools of a caveman, and interestingly, he made friends with a volleyball that washed up on the beach and named it Wilson. All these experiences, which happened in real life for him, ended up in the movie. We thought it was just a movie. But how many of us now stranded in our homes all alone are making friends with inanimate objects? Don't answer that question. That experience helped the writer create an authentic story about isolation that is eerily relevant to this moment that you and I are going through right now. In an interview about his confinement, Boyles said later, that's when I realized it wasn't just a physical challenge. It was going to be an emotional, spiritual one as well. And that's true for you and me. This isn't just a physical challenge. It's an emotional and spiritual one as well. What you and I are facing is a loss of connection, and we need to know how to overcome it because God created us for connection. He created us for connection with him and with people around us. What we're going through right now is an internal struggle because we weren't made for quarantine. And this isn't just about introverts versus extroverts. 
although one might tolerate it for a while better than the other, the truth is we all need connection. It isn't just a physical challenge. It's an emotional and spiritual one as well. But I have good news for you. While we're all asking the question, how can I survive this without losing my mind and giving away my children and burying my husband in the backyard, we're probably not aware that we actually have a roadmap for what we're experiencing. Because, because Jesus, even though he needed connection, which is why he surrounded himself with close friends, there was one time when Jesus was isolated for an extended period of time from all other people. He self-quarantined away from everyone. He voluntarily sequestered himself, not because of a physical virus, but to defeat a spiritual one. And like every other situation, Jesus' isolation ought to inform ours. So let's begin at the end of Matthew. Matthew, who tells us this story, the whole book is, bears his name because he wrote it for us, he says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The sequence of events is important here. So I want you to imagine this for a minute. Jesus is about 30 years old, and for 30 years, for his entire life, he has been building to this moment. He's trained for it, he's prayed, he's practiced, he's gone through the entire cycle of religious rites of passage, and after all that time and all that preparation, Jesus finally gets to the baptism and finally arrives at the beginning of his ministry. And if that was me, I'd be standing on the banks of the water, and I'd be looking for new recruits. I would think to myself, well, i got to build a team here. There's an action-oriented guy. Let me ask him. There, she looks like somebody who understands organizational structure, and I need a finance person. And I would start planning my first event, because that's what you do, right? And it would have some kind of fancy title, like, like how to raise the dead in three easy steps. I mean, it's Jesus, after all. How about how to catch a boatload of fish with no bait, or forget swimming, walk on the water. I need to ask John the Baptist maybe to be the speaker, or maybe a Jewish scholar. I'll get Martha and Mary to do the food, and I need some wine. Nah, I just need some water. But Jesus doesn't do any of those things. He doesn't start his long-anticipated ministry at all. Instead, Matthew tells us that Jesus heads into the wilderness Instead of drawing close to his people, he separates from them. And I find the placement of Jesus' isolation telling. Both Matthew and Luke, who also writes the story of Jesus, they both report that Jesus' self-quarantine happens immediately following the spiritual high of his baptism. Isn't that where many of us were a month ago? Not at our baptism necessarily, but we were on top of the world. I mean, the economy was booming. Our church, if you've been a part of it, was thriving. Students, you were in the waning days of school, the final sprint before summer break. Some of you were preparing for major life milestone events like graduation or a wedding or a new job. Some of you were starting a new business or, or you were anticipating the coming of a new baby or the adoption of a child. 
Some of us had gotten to such a great place in our family and in our finances and even in our faith. From most vantage points, that's where Jesus was. I mean, he, he was at the high point of his life, the moment where everything was working and he was ready to go. And at that moment, he went alone into the wilderness, into isolation to be tempted. Doesn't this seem just a little out of place to you? Like the story turns on a dime, like it's abrupt, like there's 180 degrees we're moving now in the wrong direction. It feels that way to me too. But God knew something that you and I often forget, that our refining comes not of success, but of trial. Who we are is not only revealed in times of testing, it is forged there. So this coronavirus moment, is not simply to be endured. We can actually grow from it. We can emerge from this season more equipped for richer connection because of our isolation. But we'll get to that. But let's stay with the story for now. Remember now, Jesus is in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Some people argue that Jesus wasn't really tempted because he was the Son of God, after all. But the truth is, in, in a way that you and I are never going to understand on this side of heaven, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. And that means that he experienced real hunger during this fast. Fasting is a way of devoting myself fully to God by denying myself food or something else that I want or need. So this fast that we read about here it's especially long. It's 40 days with no food. So Jesus, in his humanity, would be incredibly hungry. His body craving calories, slowly burning away any reserves, and then slowly eating into muscle. The tempter, and I really like the way Matthew calls him, the tempter comes along at Jesus' weakest physical moment and attempts to play with his mind. If you look carefully, you'll see that the tempter really isn't making an offer at all. It's not like Satan opens up a Weber grill and there in all its juiciness is a London broil waiting to be eaten. Instead, he holds out a handful of gravel in front of the one who has the power to turn that gravel into a five-course meal and he says, if you're the son of God, why not? Who would you hurt? Doesn't God want you to be fulfilled? And that's the exact same pitch that the tempter makes to you and me. He convinces us, or at least tries to, that God is okay with us having everything we want, whatever we feel, whatever we desire. Who does it hurt if you look at that? Would God have made you this way if he didn't intend for you to act on your natural urges? Why should I deny my attraction, my craving, my desire, even my need to be around other people? Jesus could say, look, I've already denied myself in my devotion to God. It's been 40 days since I had a bite to eat. Isn't that enough sacrifice? Doesn't God want me to be happy? I don't talk about the devil much. No disrespect intended, but I think some people just give far too much attention to the evil one. I'd rather spend my energy focusing on who God is and and who I am because of Jesus than to commit any real effort to the one who would just pull me away from God. 
But it's hard to deny that the tempter is real, at least for me. I know that he is. And it seems to me that one of his most successful ploys is to infiltrate the minds and the hearts of people who want to follow God, but then try to convince them that God wants them to have every desire in their heart fulfilled, everything that they want met. And logically, this doesn't make any sense because you and I know that giving somebody everything they want is always a bad idea. And yet, we seem to rationalize this temptation with spiritual language. It makes us seem like satisfying every physical desire like hunger or even an emotional desire like being around other people is always God's will for us. Does God want you to be perpetually hungry? Of course not. Does God want you to always be isolated? No. But more than being physically well-fed and even more than being emotionally satisfied, God wants your soul to be nourished. And sometimes... He can't do both. So listen to how Jesus responds. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what Jesus does here is he quotes a well-known piece of scripture from the Hebrew Bible, from Deuteronomy chapter 8, which you can look up later, but I want to read you a section of what Jesus refers to. This, what I'm about to show you is God speaking to his people a few thousand years before Jesus' encounter with the tempter, God says, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter the, and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments. He humbled you causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Can you see the parallels? After the miraculous exodus and the parting of the Red Sea, the people of God are led by God into the wilderness for 40 years to be tested. After the miraculous baptism and the parting of heaven, the Son of God is led by God into the wilderness for 40 days to be tested. Hunger came to Moses and his people. Hunger came to Jesus. And the purpose was the same for both. To teach us that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And the way that we really learn that life comes from the Word of God is to have to live our lives on the Word of God. Until you have to rely on God for your life, it's all just an academic exercise. It's, it's just head knowledge. And that's why I read and study the Bible, so that in moments and seasons just like this, when I want to hug my friends, when I want to have a cookout, when I want to plan a pool party, I can be reminded that there is a priority to all of my wants and needs. God has to be first. Above all, he supersedes everything. I've tried to build my life that way, and you can too. Even if you weren't prepared spiritually for this moment, God will equip you. You can do it now. You can begin to dig and to study and to read and to use this moment to connect with God. 
even if you can't connect with others the way you want. You can begin right now. See, I, I want to have at the ready truths about God and about me and about life so that when the tempter comes to me and says, you need to make your own way, man. God has abandoned you. I can say Joshua's words from the Bible, God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I can quote Jeremiah's truth that says, God has a plan for me, and it, it's not to harm me. It's for my success. And when the tempter says, isn't this the moment to start drinking a lot? It's all good. I can respond with Paul's words when he said to the church in Corinth, everything might be permissible, but that doesn't mean it's beneficial. And when the tempter says to me, what does it hurt if you look at that website? I can say what John said, the lust of the eyes doesn't come from God, it comes from the world. And when I so badly want to give a little, but keep a lot, help a little, but hoard a lot, I can quote Jesus' words when he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be too. The greatest source of life, listen, it's not food, it's not oxygen, it's not pleasure, it's not even connection. It's the Word of God, spoken from His lips to ours through the richness of truth that you and I have right at our fingertips. You don't have to lose all connection in your isolation. You can connect fully and completely with the one who created you. He can be your constant companion now. But there's still more to the story. So the devil took Jesus then to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, which is the second time he's, he's suggested that, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. This right here is the classic bargain with God scenario. And it's what the tempter wants Jesus to do. If God lets me jump off this cliff, then it must be his will to save me. Listen, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but maybe some of us just need to hear this. God will usually let you be as dumb as you'd like. Seriously. That doesn't mean that you get to blame God when you crash and burn. So to my brothers and sisters who would use this pandemic as a way of testing God, who would say, let's just throw caution to the wind in the name of faith, I am pleading with you. Testing God, it's almost never a good idea. I say almost because God does invite us one time to test him, specifically when it comes to giving the tithe to the church. And he says that if we'll do that, he will open the floodgates of heaven's blessing. But other than that, it is a terrible idea. If you put your hand in a lion's mouth and trust God, you'd better be ambidextrous. And that same thing is true with this pandemic. This is not a hoax. Now, maybe some of the measures and maybe some of the government mandates are disproportionate to the threat, but the threat itself is real. And it is not a lack of trust in God that we be careful. In fact, it is reckless to test God. Jesus knew this, which is why he responds to the devil with another piece of scripture from Deuteronomy. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. That's two temptations, and there's a third, and it goes like this. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship 
me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. This is a final and critical way that we can persevere in this isolation moment. We have to, we must know who God is and I've gotta know who I am in him. And, and when I do that, I can say, I'm only gonna worship God right now. Because of Jesus, I can claim that I am never alone. I worship only him. And, and his power, because I worship only him, is inside of me. I am strong enough to win, even in isolation, because the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. Look, I don't like being isolated any more than you do. But, and, and let's be honest about this. I mean, seriously, we can still connect. When Jesus went into the wilderness, there was no Zoom, no FaceTime, no phone in the pocket of his robe so he could check in with his friends back home. But he was still not completely alone. In fact, Jesus' greatest companion was with him all the time. Jesus' self-quarantine wasn't about social distance. It was about spiritual discipline. It was about making sure that he didn't lose the one connection that would affect the strength and the purpose of every other connection in his whole life. The same is true for you and me. Why not use this community quarantine to connect better with God? Maybe to connect with him in ways you've never done before. And the good news is we can still connect with each other while we also focus on enhancing our spiritual lives. So I'm gonna ask you to do something right now. Would you get out that paper and that pen, the one that Brian Pope mentioned to you earlier, and I want you to write down, right now, one or two things that you're gonna to commit to do that will allow this self-isolation to do for you what Jesus let it do for him. That we can strengthen our connection with God in this moment. Now don't record something vague like, I'm going to read the Bible more, because what does that really mean? Make it measurable. Say something like, I'm going to read the Bible every day for 10 minutes or 30, whatever you feel led to put down. Or, or maybe I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to read the Bible first thing in the morning, or I'm going to spend 15 minutes with God every morning praying and listening and, and doing a devotional, or I'm going to attend daily worship with PCC every morning because we do that, or or you could plan a combination of things. Like I'm gonna get up every day and do daily worship and then I'm gonna read my Bible at night. The point is that you and I don't have to waste this moment. We don't have to see it as time standing still. We always said, many of you, I know I've said this, said something like, you know, I'd, I'd like to invest more in my spiritual life, I just don't have enough time, right? Well, you got it now. Don't squander it. Make the most of it. You know, William Broyles, the screenwriter for Castaway, the movie, he told the Los Angeles Times that two words summed up the entire film. At the very end of the movie, after Chuck Nolan is rescued off that island he'd been stranded on for four years, he stands at the crossroads of two dirt pathways and he utters these two final words. He says, thank you. Thank you. After all Nolan had been through, he strangely discovered gratitude in it. 
One day, we're going to be done with this isolation. And when we're finished with our time in the wilderness, you and I actually can emerge from it with better perspective and stronger connection, not just more connection, but stronger connection. We'll not be so casual anymore with a hug or a handshake. We'll savor those moments, savor time with our friends and families as the soul-filling gift that we used to take for granted. And we can be closer to God in the process if we let isolation do for us what Jesus let it do for him. So could we just take a minute with your list in hand and maybe whoever you got nearby you in your home and let's thank God for this opportunity and then we're gonna do one more cool thing before we leave. Let's pray together. God, I know I'm not the only one here today, God, who has seen this season as so awful and a curse, but you're the God who works good even when the situation around us isn't so good. And so God, would you just forgive me for not completely trusting you to work something good out of this when, at, at those moments when they've come. And would you help all of us see this moment as an, a great opportunity, one we used to say we wish we had, an opportunity to connect more with you. May we do that every day. May we find a way to strengthen our connection and our relationship with you so that we can know who you are better and know who we are in you more fully. Do that in us, God. Let isolation do for us what Jesus let it do for him. And we thank you in advance for it. Through the power and in the name of Jesus, amen. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he could only connect with God. Connecting with other people was out of the question, but that's not true for you and me. In addition to using our isolation to connect with God, we've got tools that allow us to stay connected with each other, even if those tools are a little limited. We have some folks here at our church on a team together. They're accustomed to working together and doing life together. And like you, they're really missing that time. So they found a creative way to do something special. And we thought we'd share it with you as we finish up today. You might see a few familiar faces here. We hope you enjoy it.
just might have a problem that you understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Lean on me when you're not strong. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Oh, it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody. I hope that you will strengthen your connection with God beginning now, using this as an opportunity. We also know, though, that the other way we connect is with other people, the people that we know, people that we're getting to know, people in our families. And so let me tell you about two things that we're doing this week that you can be a part of. One of them is at our midweek service this week at, on Thursday at 7.15, I'm going to continue the conversation about ways that we can connect more fully with each other in this season, and why that will be so important to our spiritual lives too. And so let me invite you to be a part of that right here uh, at, at our website. And also, we're doing small groups. We're launching a whole new small group series with this series, Overcomer. You want to be a part of it if you're not in a small group now. So you can sign up right there through the website, through the link, and let me encourage you to do that. And whatever you do this week, I pray that you're blessed. I pray you'll connect with God, and I pray you'll come right back here next Sunday for our second week in the Overcomer series. We'll see you then.